Hello and welcome to another episode of Inside the Digital Health and Sales Locker Room. I am your host, Josh Pappas. And as a reminder, I'm the Director of Sales for Tendo. Episode 8 features Josh Dines and Bo Barron from ViewFi. Josh Dines is the founder and CMO of ViewFi. He works as an intending orthopedic surgeon on the sports medicine service at Hospital for Special Surgery and is the professor of orthopedic surgery at Cornell Medical College. Josh has been the team orthopedics for the New York Mets, a team doctor for the New York Rangers, LA Dodgers, and U.S. Davis Cup tennis team, and is currently the medical director for Major League Pickleball. Bo brings 12-plus years of enterprise healthcare sales and leadership experience to ViewFi, and he is currently the VP of Sales and Strategy at ViewFi. Bo leads the development and implementation of all sales, marketing, and go-to-market strategies. Enjoy Episode 8. Welcome to the podcast, Bo and Josh from ViewFi Health. Um, thanks again for being on the podcast, guys, and would love for you to introduce yourselves to the audience. Um, my intros can't do you justice, so I'll start with you, Josh, and then you, Bo. Um, would love you to introduce yourself. Josh, thanks so much for having us. Um, I'm Josh Dines. I'm an orthopedic surgeon at Hospital for Special Surgery, where I specialize in sports medicine, and more pertinent to this, uh, a co-founder of ViewFi that we kind of developed, which we'll talk more about, but developed to hopefully kind of bring sort of outstanding musculoskeletal care to, you know, a much broader reach of patients and people. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, my name is Bo Barron. I'm the VP of Sales and Strategy for ViewFi Health, uh, located uh, here in Atlanta, uh, which is which is where ViewFi is headquartered. Um, you know, been in healthcare, uh, specifically medical device, uh, you know, for about nine to 10 years and then transitioned over to, um, the tech side, uh, over, you know, last probably three or four years. So, uh, yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Super excited to dig into ViewFi and, and learn about all the exciting updates there. So if it's your first time listening to the podcast, we do, uh, three or four segments that have a little bit of a sports theme. So um, would love to start out with some icebreakers, though, learn a little bit more about you guys. So maybe starting with you, Josh, uh, I just had on the last episode, Dr. Jeffries, who was the team cardiologist for the Memphis Grizzlies on, uh, which was super cool. But would love with your experience and kind of your background, you know, what's maybe the, the best, most interesting story uh, on, you know, being a, being a team, team orthopedic surgeon? Um, that's, it's a great question. I've been fortunate to you know, work with the, the Rangers and the, um, the New York Mets for years, the Los Angeles Dodgers, U.S. Davis Cup tennis team, which kind of hooked uh, Andy Roddick, a co-founder of, for Free Vi and, and me together. So I've been around a lot of athletes and, and yeah, obviously we can't talk about medical issues, but I think story-wise, it, it's always fun just to see these people who are the best in the world at what they do kind of behind the scenes. Um, and one of the stories that you know I kind of always remember because I was working with the Lakers when I was a fellow out in Los Angeles and Lakers were terrible that year. They, they would admit that also. So I'm not speaking out of turn, but uh, Kobe was there and they, they won in double or triple overtime, which was torture as a team doctor because they were terrible. So that just meant you were there that many minutes longer, you know, overtime <laughs> games, you'd rather lose, have them lose quickly. But uh, Kobe hit like a turnaround three pointer from the corner to win the game. And he comes into the locker room and I remember Ronnie Turioff was on the team at the time, comes in, he's like, you know, kind of Kobe was getting, getting changed in a sort of a separate area. Turioff comes in, is like, great shot, you know, lucky shot, and that was awesome. And just a lucky comment, 
Kobe, you saw, just had kind of a visceral reaction and was like, you know, I, I forget who it was. It was like Larry Bird, game three, you know, 1983 championships. He's like, I, I practiced that shot five times a day in my, in my driveway. And it just gave you such insight into kind of, hey, not luck. This guy is like the hardest working person out there, you know, which is what made him the best. But also just that he was so offended that anyone would think it's luck and not just hard work is amazing. And it showed what a student of the game he was, how hardworking he was. So I think it kind of, you know, showed, highlighted so many things that made him great and what makes these athletes great uh, in, in sort of one vignette. No, that's, 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 that's an awesome story. And then, yeah, Bo, we've been having a lot of the salespeople on there. And one of the themes that's come up is if you could, you know, host a dinner, what, what, what athlete would you maybe have, you know, to dinner if you, if you, if you could choose? Yeah, man, I think, uh, you know, being an, an Auburn grad, uh, you know, I probably have to go with Bo Jackson. You know, he, when I was a kid growing up, he was, he was my idol, arguably one of the best, you know, or one of the greatest athletes of all time, you know, two sport athlete, Heisman Trophy winner. Um, also just some of the most ridiculous stories, you know, whether they be true or completely embellished, uh, you know, this guy just has some of the craziest stories of all time, especially from his childhood growing up. Uh, just outside of Birmingham, which is where I'm from. So, uh, yeah, I'd have to go with Bo Jackson. No, that's a good one. Yeah, because we had we 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 had some some Auburn flavor up here in Charlotte during the Cam Newton days, and I would argue, <laughs> yeah, living in Charlotte, those are the those are, those are, those are the exciting fun Panther times. You know, buzz to the city. Mm -hmm. um, all right, well, good guys. We'll, we'll we'll dig in a little bit. We like to start with some origin stories, and um, you know, really the the goal here for you, maybe start with you, Josh, is. Why healthcare? And then I guess, you know, how or why did you kind of, you know, get into the orthopedic surgeon game? Was it something you always wanted to do or did you kind of stumble into it? Um, so, you know, good question. I, you know, my father's an orthopedic surgeon. So something I always saw, uh, he, he kind of specialized, did like sports medicine also. So it was something I was around and definitely liked and it was, you know, great childhood. Uh, but that said, I went to, you know, college, kind of kept an open mind, thinking about different things decided on medical school, my parents were surprised because they weren't kind of the family that would sort of pressure you into stuff. So they were surprised when I said I wanted to do it. And then once you get into medical medical school, it becomes sort of very clear relatively quickly whether you're sort of like a surgical subspecialty or, or non-surgical um, and just kind of certain personality types sort of tend towards, you know, different things. I, I liked surgery. You make a, it's a quick fix. It's, you know, you go in there, you fix it, the problem is solved. Uh, and then even within surgery, every subspecialty has their sort of own you know, sort of reputations or, or people kind of stereotypes, just the, the people who went into orthopedic surgery who were around or kind of people who played sports, like sports. Um, it's like carpentry. We're not very bright, but it's, you know, you're fixing things. So um, I gravitated towards that and then it just always liked sports medicine. So then it became kind of an easier decision once I decided to go into orthopedics, uh, growing up playing sports is something I always liked. So being able to kind of help athletes get back to, to doing, whether it's professional level or high school or recreational athlete, every level, getting them back to doing what they like to do is, is something that I hoped I'd find rewarding. And I, I have, it's been great. No, that's great. And, and, and same to you, Bo. Now I, I can't imagine if you're like me, you grew up being like, yep, I'm going to be in medical sales, but uh, kind of talk, talk to me about your journey and um, how you, how you kind of came into it. Uh, same question on the sales side. Yeah. I, uh, I, I kind of, you know, had a little bit of an interesting path into where I am now. So um, you know, Auburn University is actually one of the one of the only uh, uh, universities in the world that that has a program like the one that I went through. So I actually started. I worked through college as a full time firefighter at EMT. Um, so that's kind of how I got into healthcare. 
Um, Auburn has a program where, you know, they allow a certain amount of students um, from the university to apply and be selected for uh, the student firefighter program. So, and, and it's not, you know, I mean, you're, we literally did 24 on, 48 off. We went through rookie school. Uh, you know, we got fire one and two and, and our EMT certifications. And so, you know, I did all that at, you know, probably 19, 20 years old. Um, and so that was my first, you know, kind of taste of healthcare uh, right out of the gate. You know, I think I saw, I mean, you see, you see a lot of crazy stuff in that line of work and doing that through college and kind of being indoctrinated into, um, you know, that lifestyle early was something that I knew, you know, I was really interested in. Um, I never really, you know, thought I, I wanted to go to med school or go that route. That wasn't really, you know, something that, uh, that, I, that I was super interested in. Um, and so, you know, one of the guys that, uh, that I went through the program with that I just knew from, uh, from, from college, he, he was actually interested in, uh, the pharmaceutical sales side. And so he went the pharmaceutical route and, you know, I kind of did some research and got to know a little bit more about the, 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 the medical device side. And so I actually got started with a company called integrated medical systems, um, right out of college. They had recently been purchased by, uh, Steris. But what we would do is we would travel all around the country and, um, and outsource the central sterile department. So we would go in, we would take over, we would implement certain, um, you know, processes, procedures. So really trying to drive efficiency from the operations side. Um, and you now I lived everywhere. You know, I started, started in Dallas, then went to Baltimore and then wound up in Denver, um, at Rose Medical Center. And so at Rose, you know, Rose had a very stat, well established orthopedic program. Um, so I got to know a lot of the sales reps there, a lot of the surgeons there. Um, and, and so in, in being there, I was able to get, uh, connected with, uh, you know, with the striker team and, um, was fortunate enough to get on board with them and, um, kind of the rest is history. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I tell people all the time, the, the journey to sales, very few people have I met, you know, even out of college was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be a salesperson, particularly a medical <laughs> salesperson. So I had a similar path. Um, well, good guys. So on a, Next segment, we kind of do a Mount Rushmore, right? And um, really the goal here, and maybe I'll actually start with you, Bo, in, in the snake draft order is, um, you know, what are kind of four sales leaders that you had that either you admire currently or kind of shaped shaped you there? And, you know, maybe a couple quick notes on, on each one. Yeah, so so I, I actually just wrote down two, but I think I can probably give you four if I think about it. So uh, first being, <laughs> first being uh, Jeff Molden. So Jeff was... You know, he was who I directly reported to during my time at, um, at Angio Dynamics. You know, he was, he was really kind of the first manager that I had or, or, you know, uh, yeah, I guess the, the first manager that I had who, you know, I really truly felt had my best interest at heart. And, and then on top of that, like our team as a whole, and he was more than willing to go to bat for us if needed. Um, so, you know, that, and, and being able to, you know, to work alongside him and, and see kind of, we were in a really unique industry, uh, you know, serving the oncology space. Um, and so, you know, with that really came, you know, truly like putting the patient first and understanding why we were getting up and, and going to work every single day and being able to, you know, work alongside, um, you know, these, these oncologists and interventional radiologists to, to really do what's best for the patient because, you know, obviously they're, they're, 
you know, when you, when you're there, it's likely probably one of the worst days of their life. So, um, so, you know, anyways, uh, I, I would definitely have to give, it, give him a shout out. Um, next up would be probably Eric Taravella. You know, he was my business partner when I was at Stryker. We were both young, uh, you know, kind of cut our teeth in the, in the industry together. Um, and it was cool because, you know, we were, we were in our mid twenties and, uh, and we were partnered up and, and so having two really young guys, uh, able to, to kind of have a different feel, different flavor, um, than some of the older reps that were out there, you know, we were able to, you know, take on some of the younger docks and, and do stuff like, you know, go, go snowboarding and skiing with them on the weekends and mountain biking and stuff. And, uh, so that was pretty fun. And then, um, you know, I would say lastly, Michael Williamson, who's our current CEO, um, you know, he has, I've just learned so much from him just simply through osmosis. I mean, this guy, you know, he's founded three companies, um, and had three successful exits prior to view uh, <laughs> and, and just being around him and sharing an office with him on a daily basis. I've, uh, you know, I've learned, learned a ton. So, uh, you know, that's not four, but uh, you know, three, three's, three's good enough. <laughs> No, that's a strong list, right? And um, just being a part of that is quite a, quite a diverse list. Um, and then what about you, Josh? You can take it anyway, you know, if it's orthopedic surgeons, healthcare leaders, um, you know, maybe same question to you kind of on the uh, healthcare provider side. I would echo what Bo said, putting Michael up there. It's been really educational for me because I'm a doctor. I always try to like be entrepreneurial and, you know, kind of find, try to find ways to make this a hobby as much as I like it. Um, and it's been amazing to watch it because I see colleagues of mine who, you know, we, we try to do things and, and they try to wear many hats, wear the CEO hat and do other things. And you realize it's such a different skill set and the, the arrogance uh, to think that I could do what Michael does would be would be crazy. So um, he's great. But I guess for me, you know, I, it, it's a great question. There's so many different routes to go down, I think, for, you know, from orthopedics to sort of sports to more entrepreneurial. But um, I guess focusing on orthopedics you know, three people. I, I work with my father, and that's been a, he's been a great role model, um, which has been fun and, and opened so many doors. And, and we do the same thing, so it's really exciting. Um, a colleague of mine, former colleague Dean Lorch, who, who passed away, but he, I think, you know, plenty of people are sort of five tool players in orthopedics, but he was really one of the more hardworking, um, never accepted sort of less than perfect, worked harder than everybody, stayed later. So just kind of being around him, seeing his work ethic, uh, was was inspiring. Um, and, and I think a lot of patients benefited from his care. Other colleagues of mine all do a lot of things well, but I think what I've taken from different ones, Neil Elitrosh is was a, my mentor in fellowship out in Los Angeles. And he's, you know, one of the kind of most famous sports medicine doctors, takes care of, you know, all the athletes at this point. His sort of availability was was impressive. You know, um, always available, stay late, have, you know, see people at all times. Phone was always on. And that's one of the things, there's no real metrics in what we do, but people judge you on, on being a good doctor just by how available you are. And he really does that. You know, he's more available than anybody. Um, so that's, that was, you know, impressive to watch. Uh, my, my kind of partner at HSS, who my, you know, my office is next to, Dave Alchek, who's really kind of a thought leader in terms of, you know, sort of pioneering new surgical techniques. has been, you know, sort of amazing to watch and, and be part of. Um, so that's been fun. I think each, you know, all of these people kind of bring, a lot of similar similar things to the table, but also I was able to take away separate things from each of them, which has been fun. Um, and then I'll, since Bowden fill up his whole Mount Rushmore, we'll put more people on there. I and mean, I think two of my other co-founders, you know, Andy Roddick and, and Chris Dodson, 
being around them, people who are also just really motivated, the best in the world at what they do. Um, it's become really fun to, you know, put all of us in the same room and, and try to build something from scratch and everybody brings different skill sets to the table. And I'm always impressed, you know, people see a, a lot, you know, Andy is a very unidimensional tennis player, but he's unbelievably intelligent, asks amazing questions. He's a great listener. Um, so that, that's things I've learned from him. And Chris is a great doctor, also like very outgoing. So everybody brings, I think, different things to the table and you can learn from everybody, but those would be the people that I'd put at my you know dinner table or Mount Rushmore. Yeah, and, and Josh, no. if I if I could just add one more thing to that. So, you know, to, to Josh Dine's point, you know, what, one of our core values at ViewFi is, you know, think yes before no. And so when you get guys like Josh Dines, Chris Dodson, you know, Ashish Beatty, Andy Roddick, Michael Williamson, you put all those guys into a room. I mean, these these all of these people are brilliant. And when you put them in there and you start trying to solve problems and 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 really, you know, think about solutions first instead of identifying reasons why you can't do something. It's incredible, you know, just just the the ideas that come out of it, the progress that you're able to make. Um, so, anyways, it's been it's been really cool to be a part of that, um, and something that you know over the last two years has really helped to shape me, just in ways, you know, just in in the most basic of ways of of how I approach situations uh moving forward now so yeah it's been really fun yeah it's super super cool to see and josh it's it's super unique and awesome that you're able to kind of work work with your father i was telling Bo before i before we jumped on my dad was as a basketball coach i have two brothers you know high school that's basketball coach so it's, it's always interesting now as i take a step back where he never worked in sales or what you would consider you know traditional sales or business but now more than you know in the time i was in it a lot of these life lessons business i call them up and i'm like man i, I use something that you, you talked about here that i probably you know brushed off you know back in the day you know playing sports that um there's a lot of transferable things so that's super unique and then yeah i, I just was you know earlier last year at, at health and kind of they, they highlighted serena williams it's been super cool as i've worked in the last six eight years on the vc kind of digital health space to see uh really athletes almost leading the way uh, particularly in some of these healthcare specific investments um yeah. and not only just being, uh, you know, figurehead, so to speak, but really getting involved in the day to day. And there's, you know, countless examples. Um, it's so, so cool that you guys have Andy Roddick. Um, but it's been really cool to see that evolution of um, those players really get involved in the day to day. Which actually, I mean, I, I say it all the time, you know, I'm around a lot of professional athletes and the people who, you know, the ones who are the best, it's not, it's not just athletic ability at that level. It's work ethic. It's it's the, the God given ability, but also they're just smarter than, than everybody else. I mean, it's like anything else. It's pattern recognition. It's it's asking questions. It's studying hard. So it's no surprise that kind of like you, know, you were alluding to all the people there. Steph Curry works with. I think you know Tonal. I mean, all these people. Yeah, it's good to have their kind of face attached to it from the company perspective. But they, there's plenty of people to choose from. I think they're choosing these people for a reason. Also, they're asking good questions. They're smart. They they get kind of venture investing they're they're excited about things there's you know so i think there's there's a lot of natural segues yeah perfect so um we'll, we'll switch gears here these are the these last two segments are i would say um self um you know, reported to me the most popular segments right and the first one is is what we call the top 10 bottom 10 right and so um we'll maybe start with you josh and really the goal of this segment right is connecting the digital health sales side of things or just the medical sales side of the world to kind of the provider and the executive right so we'd love for you to highlight you know, on the top one, maybe the best experience you've had interacting with salespeople and then, um, you know, the, the, the bottom be a little bit more of the challenges or mistakes you've seen people make and 
um, how, how maybe not to do the sales process from your, you know, kind of purview on the orthopedic side? I mean, working backwards, working with Bo is obviously the low light. It's terrible. <laughs> but, thanks, for, thanks for the shout out, Josh. Yeah, uh, no, I mean, I think, you know, it's funny because we, we have a lot of, you know, as Bo knows, having done it before, like we have a lot of direct interaction with the salespeople in orthopedics because they play a critical role, you know, mm-hmm. in, in the OR in terms of bringing implants in. Um, and, you know, they're, they, they probably play too much of a role in, in some cases for some people who <laughs> depend on it too much. But it is amazing how kind of, you know, smart they have to be they have to know things inside out they have to kind of be able to talk surgeons through problems sometimes um so i've been fortunate you know at hss we've got a great group who supports us uh with the companies that i work with in their implants you really can see the difference like the people who i've been around love it they they kind of eat and breathe it. they know the stuff backwards and forwards they take pride in you know representing their company as well and i think that shows the opposite end of the spectrum is when you get somebody who comes in and doesn't get it so you know, we've seen people who are very short-lived in those roles because they make up answers. They don't know the information. Um, so you can see how you, you know, just lack emotional intelligence. You can see how it goes off the rails pretty quickly. And, and it's not a job where you can kind of hide. I mean, you're kind of in the OR with the surgeons, you know, and you, know, you get asked questions. You kind of have to be on all the time. There's no, you don't get a reprieve. So it, it very quickly, you can tell if people are full of shit or not. I don't know if I can say that on the <laughs> podcast, but um, we've had a few of those experiences, not many, which is good. But when you see a good sales rep, they make your life easier. They make the, the team's life easier. They, they help the, the nurses on the back table. And it's really, it makes everything go more smoothly. So it becomes a huge benefit. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think that's the unique, whether you're on any spectrum on the medical sales, right, is there's there's really an element of at the end of at the end of whatever technology or device, it's the patient, right? Patient, family. Um, and that's kind of the unique thing about the medical sales world that I enjoy about it. But um, to your point, um, you, you, you can't BS around it. Um, all right, Bo, uh, what, what about what about you? You know, from a from a sales perspective, nor, nor, normally people can normally people gravitate to the oh, my God, you know, bottom side of that thing. But, um, you know, same question to you from a top 10, bottom 10 perspective. Yeah, well, I'll just kind of dovetail off of what uh, uh, Josh was saying here. So, you, you know, I think. Um, having spent, you know, a ton of time in the operating room, you know, it's, it's best to approach those situations from, you know, a consultative approach where, you know, you want to go in thinking and, and, and believing that you're part of that team in there, as opposed to going in there, just trying to sell whatever product it is you're representing. You know, if, uh, if you're, if you're in an operating room, you want to make sure that you're, you're the one that has striker, whatever it is tattooed on your chest. And if something goes wrong, you better be able to answer it. And, uh, and, and, and if you don't know the answer to that question, that's okay too. You just, you know, be honest and make sure that, you know, you're, you're approaching the situation from, uh, to your point, the perspective of we're going to do what's best for this patient. And, um, and so, yeah, you know, I think, um, you know, just, uh, there, there have been some cases in my career where I, where I've been in there and I've, you know, been honest and I've said, Hey, look, you know, this isn't, this isn't the time to use this. This isn't, you know, there, there's a better option out there. You should consider X, Y, or Z, whatever it may be, but it's not, you know, it's not my product. And, um, and so, you know, I think in doing that, um, you know, that's, that's how you, you gain respect. That's how, you know, you are going to, uh, put your best foot forward and doing what's best for that patient on that day. And, um, and then, you know, that you're going to, you're, you're going to, uh, you know, reap the benefits of that on the back end. And, um, so anyways, I'm not sure if that directly answers your question, but I just kind of wanted to, you know, follow up on what, what Josh was, was saying. Um, 
and the sense of, you know, the, the rep that's in the room trying to be a part of that team and provide value any way you can. So. No, it makes, 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 makes a lot of sense. Um, and, um, all right, we'll switch in gears and we do an MJ versus LeBron debate. Um, and, um, what we're going to focus on the topic for you guys is, uh, and it's, it dovetails to, um, you know, to the next segment when we dig in a little bit more on view five, but, um, the MJ versus LeBron debate, number one, feel free to answer it, whether you are passionate about Michael Jordan or, or LeBron, right? Uh, but outside of that, focused on this healthcare spin on it, um, you know, we're going to focus on virtual versus in-person orthopedic and, and rehab care. Um, and so I guess maybe, maybe you could start, Josh, um, and, um, you know, kick it off and you guys can just kind of go back and forth because I know it's you know, something you guys are passionate about. I think, I mean, I think Scotty Pippen a couple weeks ago cleared up the debate where he said he would, there's not a game that would ever happen where he would choose LeBron over MJ. So, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that has that but both great. I would pick MJ any day of the week and twice on Sunday. I think, you know, it gets back to what I mentioned before where, you know, Andy asks great questions. Um, you know, we started with a zoom call over COVID and he was asking what's going to change in your fields as this goes forward. And my buddy, Chris Dotson, who were on the call, both said, you know, telehealth. Um, and up to that point, you know, orthopedics or musculoskeletal care is such a hands-on or traditionally thought of as being so hands-on that you have to be touching the patient to make the diagnosis and come up with a good treatment plan that we said, look, if this is going to be something real, you know, it's got to be better. Right now, we're doing Zoom calls and people's arms are floating off the screen, but it was almost, you know, any port in a storm. They were just happy that we weren't abandoning them during COVID. And it was fine. But we said, if this is going to be real and and it was going to be, it, it's got to be better. And that was sort of the impetus for developing ViewFi. And I think you know, if you had asked this question two years ago, not that the answer would have been completely different, but what I would have said was possible via telehealth would have been different. And I think, you know, I always have imposter complex being part of this tech company. What the team has built is unbelievable. And, and each, every six months, I think we can even do more virtually um, than not, not more than I can do in person per se, but it's, it's getting pretty close. And there are a ton of added benefits to the virtual experience for patients um, that make it at least equal, if not better, um, the majority of the time. There are clearly some things that, you know, you have to be feeling or pressing on or, or looking at in person. But there's probably, you know, to put a percentage on it, you know, 85 or 90% of what I treat at this point can be done virtually. And if you can make a good diagnosis via a, a very you know, sort of validated physical exam via telehealth with what we've built, combined with the ability to look at images um, and, and take a good history and, and talk with the patient, I can make a very good diagnosis and be confident in my diagnosis probably more than 90% of the time at this point. You juxtapose that with the fact that now they don't have to, I'm not in Charlotte, so I don't know what the traffic's like, but like traffic in New York is terrible. You know, for them to leave their office during the day and, and take an Uber up here, it could be, you know, an hour to go 30 blocks and $30 for them to sit in a waiting room, you know, for a five minute visit, um, low yield, you know, so there are so many secondary gains also in terms of convenience and making their lives better. You don't have to take a day off from work to go to the doctor. I think there are so many benefits to, to virtual care or telehealth um, that we're, you know, taking advantage almost has a, a negative connotation that we're, we're kind of, you know, bringing to patients uh, makes it huge. And I, I know I'm rambling because I get so passionate about this, but it also expands our ability to take care of patients and provide a certain level of care that they can't get if they're very far away, you know, all kind of all over the country. So we're, you know, all the three of us are all in very, you know, areas that are affluent and nice and have great doctors. You start moving further and further away from bigger cities. And sometimes that care is a, a little more suspect and, and not as consistent. And the ability to 
bring top-notch doctors and, and treatment algorithms to patients everywhere is, I think, a huge boon. Yeah, I, you know, the, um, I guess what I would add to that is, you know, I would put our patient experience up against any competitor we have on the market today. Um, and so what I like to always kind of point out right out of the gate is not really what we are, but what we are not. Um, you know, I think, I think a lot of people know of kind of the, you know, the, the two or three 800 pound gorillas in the, the virtual MSK market. So I always, you know, without naming them, I, I like to point out the fact that we are not, you know, your your uh, run-of-the-mill virtual um, at-home exercise plan or virtual physical therapy platform. Um, we're so much more than that. I mean, at the end of the day, we really are a fully functioning virtual orthopedic practice. And, um, and you know, when, to, to Josh's point, I mean, you know, studies out there will show, like, the, I think the average... Um, wait time to be seen by an orthopedic surgeon within the United States is about 11.4 days. Um, you know, we're able to do that within 24 hours. So, you know, that's from a patient perspective, that's, that's an incredible experience right out of the gate. Just being able to be seen within, um, you know, that, that time period is, is fantastic to get an answer, you know, as to what the root cause is of your pain. I mean, that, that right there is just gives patients peace of mind. And then on top of that, then, then they're delivered a detailed plan of care as to how to solve that pain. And to be able to receive that within 24 hours is, you know, is, is a huge game changer, um, from the patient perspective. And, and that, you know, that plan of care could, could include anything from, uh, you know, Josh's point, advanced imaging. We have a nationwide imaging network that we can refer patients into that, uh, you know, that we work very, very hard to build. Um, you know, they can, they can prescribe medications, uh, you know, other than opioids, obviously, but, but we do have the ability to prescribe medications if that's needed. Um, you know, in-person physical therapy, you know, I think a great example there is if a patient presents with a uh, frozen shoulder uh, or something along those lines that needs to be addressed in person, we will start off by uh, by diagnosing that and determining, hey, this this is a situation where this patient is is um, going to need to be seen in person. So we can provide that referral to our in person physical therapy network. Um, obviously, we have our own virtual physical therapy uh, portion of the platform, and um, and then we can also refer to in person visits with orth orthopedic surgeons or non operative sports entities. So uh, you know. To kind of wrap it all up, we, it, the patient experience is is really the exact same experience that you would get if you were to get in your car, fight traffic here in Atlanta to get down to you know any of the major hospital systems, wait in that that room to be seen by an orthopedic surgeon for five, maybe ten minutes if you're lucky, uh, get back in your car and go home. So uh, you know we can do all of that virtually, um, and and it's really just a fantastic experience all the way around. So. Yeah, no, that's that that that's great because I mean, from a patient, it's got to be you know open up access, right? But then also to um, you know streamline the experience, and, and that's kind of the space that I play in, just in terms of it's it's on everybody's um, you know strategic roadmap to to help in, enhance that experience. So that's great, Josh. I'm curious on the you know from the patient perspective, you know you guys outlined it pretty well. H how's it been from a you know, sometimes tough change management on the, or, you know, the surgeon side, the nursing side, what's been their feedback? Obviously you guys have embraced it, but how's, how's that overall pulse uh, in the industry? Well, I think it's great. You know, great people are more and more kind of accepting of it, which is good. It's like, a, it's a, it's a paradigm shift. So there's, there's 
Some people are quick adopters, others are more slow, but I think, you know, look, it's like a Seinfeld sketch. The fact that there's a waiting room when you have an appointment makes no sense. So, you know, just it, by changing the patient experience, you know, they're not annoyed because they've been waiting out there for an hour to see you. So it, it, you're starting off on the right foot, which makes it easier. Um, and I think as our tools have improved, again, you know, at first I'm doing Zoom calls like like this and you're I'm showing, trying to show them what to do and their arms are floating off the screen and I'm trying to adjust the camera. So it wasn't ideal. As we've built this out where we can send them videos, it shows them what to do. It, it guides them through the exam. Uh, you know, it's it's been amazing. Patient, we can do it, as I was saying before, a much more sort of real physical exam. And when you do that, the patient satisfaction is through the roof, which is great. And then the other issue is it, it makes, it kind of, makes my life better selfishly in the sense that because I can send these videos and I don't have to be in my office well lit with, you know, 10 feet behind the camera trying to show them the moves to do, I could be in the back of an Uber, you know, watching their video and then we can kind of find a time that's mutually beneficial for us to kind of review the findings. So it really takes takes down a lot of barriers um, that were traditionally in place when you've got a brick and mortar facility and you've got to be there from nine to five. It just on every level, as we've used it more, we, we realize more and more benefits. And I think patients and doctors are benefiting from it. Couldn't agree more. Um, and we, it kind of dovetail in it on, on the last segment. But you know, final words, where can people find you, you Bo and Josh, uh, or find ViewFi? And um, what's, what, what's kind of you know, now to the rest of the year? What are um, the exciting um, highlights um, there in the ViewFi world? Start with you, Bo. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, you know, the, the easiest place to, to find us is just at viewfi.com. Um, you can go there, you can get a good overview of, you know, kind of who we are, what we do, um, the details of, of the company. Um, we also just finished, um, you know, a, a pretty awesome series of videos that, that uh, most of which are, are uploaded. If, if they're not all on there right now, they, they will be very shortly. So I, I highly recommend everybody go check those out. Um, and then what was the, what was the last part of that question? <laughs> yeah. Last part, just, you know, I'm sure in true startup form, I'm sure you have a million different things, right. But, um, you know, any, any, anything special now to the end of the year, just kind of, you know, coming out of stealth mode. Yeah. We're, um, yeah. I mean, you know, keep, keep an eye out for us. Uh, to your point, we, we have been in stealth mode for the last, you know, year and a half, probably. Um, we have closed, you know, a few, very significant contracts. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're well over, um, you know, uh, two, well, two, two million covered lives to date, uh, you know, and growing rapidly. Um, and we are gearing up for, you know, a big PR campaign uh, coming up in 2023. So, uh, you know, keep, keep an eye out for us. We're excited about, you know, what, what we have coming in the future. Awesome. Anything to add there, Josh? No, I think it's now it's a, it's exciting because I, you know, I haven't really been part of startups, but first we're sort of building the product. Now it's really implementing it. So now um, I've, you know, we've played different roles as doctors, first kind of helping with the content and what exams are needed. And then we kind of took a back seat, watched the tech team build it. And now we're kind of, you know, sort of front and center again, seeing patients with the tool um, and, and just, you know, seeing more and more patients and, and watching this play out, recruiting other doctors because we are growing. So it's, it's fun because it's just, you know, different, different phases of growth for the company, but all heading in the right direction, which is good. No, that's great. Well, Bo, Josh, I really appreciate having you on the podcast. It's 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 been incredible to hear about ViewFi, all the success, all the stories, and if if nothing else, Josh, we were, Bo and I were talking about before you jumped on. Um, I got to level up on the uh, pickleball court because I guess that's the new wave. Um, yes. you know the, the 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 new sport that's going on there. So you know, separate conversation. It is amazing. 
I mean, seven years ago, it was only 90-year-olds falling on the court. Now, I, I saw three people this week who are like, you know, 25, ask how they get hurt. It used to be CrossFit. Now it's pickleball. So it's, it's yeah, it's, it's crazy. It, 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 innovating in all sorts of ways, right? Yeah. I was going to say, to follow up on that, keep an eye out for ViewFi in the pickleball world. Yeah, that's the if that's the demographic. Exactly. <laughs> there we go. That's awesome. Well, guys, appreciate it. And uh, I know the listeners will enjoy the perspective um, and hope you guys have a nice rest of the week. Thanks for including awesome. us, Josh. Thanks, guys. Take care, guys. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the podcast. Make sure to subscribe and review wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to share inside the Digital Health and Sales Locker Room podcast for any digital health or sales leader that might be interested. Looking to grow your professional and personal network? Make sure to sign up now for the Young Health Leaders Summit sponsored by Advancement League. And make sure to use the code Team Josh for discounted registration. More details available in the newsletter or in the show notes. Stay tuned for the RPM March Madness podcast, where it's a special three-part series bringing together some of the brightest spines in digital health, RPM, and healthcare together for a fun March Madness-themed podcast extravaganza. Thanks.